Welcome back to podcast. <laughs> You're laughing at me already. <laughs> well, it was your okay. 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 Uh, yeah. Welcome to the show. This is a podcast greater than yourself. My name is John Barleycorn for the reasons of the show. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, I stepped up, man. It's funny because I was thinking about how we used to like do these after the episodes and then <laughs> yeah. you'd splice them in. And now we've just like, we've just like, we just do them right in, which it's, I kind of love. So yeah, I've given myself such a break on editing in this season. It's a lot easier to do it the way that I do it now. So I feel like we put so much unnecessary, like we put a lot of effort into this now, but we put so much unnecessary effort into it the first season because we had it was no like, idea of what we're doing at all. Every time we would sit down to record, it was three hours. Yeah. And it was also just like, is this going to end up on the internet event? Like, I don't, <laughs> how do you get a podcast on the internet? <laughs> so, yeah, I'm John Barleycorn. And I'm Fred. There you go. And with us today, a brand new guest, Tugboat. I keep, I keep wanting to say Dreamboat Annie, like my favorite. <laughs> I like that album. one too. Yeah. So Tugboat Annie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Um, we are discussing... <laughs> like, how do I not say this like it's a Star Wars movie? We are discussing Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. <laughs> um, something that we wanted to talk about on the show. Well, I mean, obviously we've talked about it quite a bit, but... It's a reading we've wanted to do a, an episode entirely on for quite a while. And um, so I was pretty stoked when you were excited about the topic. Yes, me too. All right. So in my book, this is on page 569. I don't know if it matters. It's Appendix 2. I got a third edition in my hand right now. Probably a couple pages later on y'all's or I don't know. What is no, it? No, earlier. Earlier? It's earlier. Okay. Yeah, it's 567. Okay, cool. Oh, because they cut out the two pages about ODAT. And mm -hmm. I will not drink with you today. Right. right. Is that what that is? Mm -hmm. Two pages of slogans. Um, yes. Cool. So, yeah. Second appendix, spiritual experience. It's referenced, footnoted, whatever you want to say, in chapters, what, two and four mm -hmm. a couple times? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so, ostensibly, anybody going to the book, you would... Unless you just ignore footnotes, I guess, and asterisks, <laughs> you would have already read this. Um, yeah, those are the same people who ignore the Roman numerals. Exactly. No, that's, <laughs> I think it's probably not a a small fraction of the people who read the book. No, that's true. Of the ten percent of the people in Alcoholics Anonymous who've actually read the book, only one percent of that ten percent has actually made it to this page. Of that one percent, of that ten percent. You know, only 0.05% know <laughs> that Herbert Spencer didn't say that. 
Okay. He didn't say it. <laughs> but it's funny because I was listening to a different book that has nothing to do with AA the other day, and Herbert Spencer was quoted twice. Really? Yeah. The guy's getting quotes left and right. My favorite and it quote ma- immediately him. I was like, immediately I was like, I'm not sure if he actually said that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just doubtful of any Herbert Spencer quote. It's just, it's just like, it's just like a bumper sticker. It just says, "Who farted?" and then just like dash Herbert Spencer. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't know about I don't know that. If this '80s bumper sticker is accurate. Uh, Fred, take it away. Okay. So spiritual experience, uh, the term spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which upon careful reading shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Supposedly. Supposedly. Oh, yeah, supposedly. I used to go to a meeting, and they would read this at the end of the meeting, and uh, instead of like reading the promises or something, and at the end, everybody would say, they would say Herbert Spencer, and then the whole room would go, Herb. Jesus. (laughs) We're not a cult. No, I'm fucking bummed out. Not a cult. Oh, yeah, so I'm Tugboat Annie, and I'm an alcoholic. Um... So I was lucky enough to have spiritual experiences pretty quickly, but I feel like the reason was because I had the willingness, Mm. you know, I had the willingness to see 
kind of see miracles in everything early on. Like I wasn't the one that was like fighting the spiritual, um, the spiritual aspect of this program. I got really lucky that I was like, that's my favorite part already. Um, my least favorite part was the work I had to do. <laughs> you know, I wanted to, I wanted to just like osmosis have God heal me. And like, I didn't have to do any of the work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was interesting that I feel like it like served me early on to have like the spiritual connection really quick. But then it, at the same time, then it became like, I felt like my foundation was flimsy because it was like ethereal and not foundational, mm. you know? And, um, and I realized that to have this like concrete connection to God, I had to connect to my Alcoholics Anonymous God, you know, I couldn't connect to, um, Jim Morrison, like I wanted to, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Jim Morrison was my higher power in the beginning. So, um, the lizard king. Yes. <laughs> I used to call myself the lizard king when I was drinking. We share a birthday. So, <laughs> so that worked temporarily, you know, like I, I love to find, you know, like, um, it was like whimsical and all of this, but it was like, um, selfish and self-seeking God. Like I created a selfish and self-seeking mm-hmm. God for myself. Like, Oh, this is perfect. Like, you know, like I built like a, like an altar and I like sat in front of it. I wanted to go to India, you know, like that was like my right. first couple of years of experience. And it's like, and then I realized like, Oh, you know, to, to help others, that's, that's where I connect to God, you know, like that's how I connect. And to feel that connection was so much different than this connection that I had in the sky and like, you know, Jim Morrison and Jimi Hendrix and everything. It was like helping another alcoholic, you know, to be able to share my experience and knowing that they could relate to my experience, Mm -hmm. you know? And, And that's like, I, like I said, I was lucky enough to feel the God consciousness immediately, but I didn't realize that it was just this, like, it wasn't what they were asking for. It wasn't what, um, you know, reading this, it's like, oh, that's what, that's what they need, you know? Um, I also think it was like a disservice because newcomers would flock to me because they like wanted what I had because it seemed like, oh my God, she's like whimsical and like, I want what she has, you know? And it was without, um, I think I set them up almost for failure, it feels like, because they didn't mm-hmm. get that, that experience that I got. And so then they're like, well, what the hell? Why isn't this happening for me quickly? You know? And it was like, I was unable to um, kind of like express the part of like, no, it takes work. You know, it takes the work to get here. So um, I don't know. Like, I just think it can be for me. Now I see it took me a while to in the program, um, to see that the work, that's where I connect most to God and to be able to transmute that, you know, and that, and that's what, for me, that's what meetings are for. It's like to transmute what I learn in the book, to transmute what I, what I work with, with my sponsor, you know? Right. Yeah. I think that the, 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 the biggest, um, deficit with people who have like a profound spiritual awakening, um, without necessarily doing the work that's in the book, um, is that there is an inability to like transmit that to other people. Whereas, you know, we talk about this often 
it, it, the the steps are just like a way to effectively reproduce a spiritual experience, you know? So like if there's some kind of, and you, you, you know, you hear about people, whether they're like big book people or whoever you hear about people having experiences that have nothing to do with the 12 steps, the actions actually in the 12 steps without ever having done those, they just have God show up and they have this profound experience. But what, what you said really perfectly touches on, what immediately comes to my mind, which is this inability to transmit that to someone else through any means other than just like an intellectualization of it. Like here I can explain what I'm feeling and what I did, but you know, it's like when I used to go to, um, different religions or, uh, counselors, therapists or whatever. And then they would be like, uh, uh uh-huh. And then this and that, and then you're just, uh, you know, you don't have problems anymore. And I'd be like, mm. no, I, 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 I pointedly have many problems. <laughs> you know, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm uncomfortable in my skin. I don't know how to, how to live successfully. Um, but I'm talking to people who have access to some level of power to apply those principles in their life that I don't seem to have. Like I'm blocked from that. Right. So what we get to look at in the steps is like, Oh, there's just like this path. I can follow this path. I can get unblocked from that. And then this, you know, where someone may have come in at a certain level, I can now be on that level too, because I'm unblocked from the stuff. Right. Um, but I think that that's a, that's a thing that I see often in the rooms of people who do have profound spiritual or religious connection, whatever it is, they're trying to transmit that to someone else without giving them a path to it. It's just like, here, take this, you know, and, uh, what's so beautiful about the, the part, the portion of the reading that you read is that it goes, it goes out of its way to just be like, no one needs to have a problem with this. This Mm. does not need to be a problem. If you're open to doing a little work, you can get there. You might like Bill just become open to it and suddenly boom, like God appears like a bright light you know, and that might happen for you. Um, but like some other people like Bob, for instance, you might be doing what you were just doing, which is like, which you were just talking about, um, working constantly with other alcoholics to see what you can do for them. And then you realize that like two years, like, Oh, okay. The compulsion of drinks totally removed. I'm not suffering from this anymore. And in his words, I'm cured, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but either way, nobody needs to have an issue with this. It doesn't need to be a problem for anybody as long as they can honestly look at their situation, right? I think uh, my first, like, the one of my favorite things that you talked about was um, your um, construction of your altar. I've known so many people who <laughs> the first direction their sponsor gave them was, okay, so what you need to do is go home and, and you need to find a place where you can... You know, so they're basically like their first instruction is like architecture. It's like um, <laughs> that tracks like, okay. with some of the book. 
you know? Yes. <laughs> oh, no, that's true. It was in my parents' basement, too, you know? I'm in my parents' basement on a twin bed, but there's my yep. altar. So. Right. I, I mean, <laughs> I've been to so many people's... Anal- analogies in the book, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm pretty sure he... I'm pretty... Like, uh, what was it? He was, like, negotiating with a, a rubber company there at the end, but, like, right before he met Bob. But, like, maybe... I'm I'm convinced that he had stock in some kind of the cement business. Yeah, it's so just, much it's mortar like, and sand. And, so much like, mortar. In, in 50 years, sponsors are going to be like, okay... <laughs> First willingness test, go get some sandbags, some, some mortar. <laughs> Build yourself an altar. Um, but, like, I just want to point out, like, if your sponsor's first direction to you is architectural in nature, um, you know, you might want to consider that's there's nowhere in the book does it say like um okay and now it's now is the point where we construct the altar, you know, like, and again, I'm not, I, the, I knew so many of those people and I know that they all meant well, right. but I love what you said. Like I was doing them more harm than good. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an, I'm an alcoholic dying an alcoholic death. Um, I can build all the altars in the world. If I've not connected myself to the power, the altar is worthless. Mm. It's a symbol that does nothing. Um, and that's, I love on page, it's actually in the media at the end of the media's paragraph. There is where it talks about the unsuspected inner resource right mm-hmm. so like god the idea of god this idea of a consciousness to god is already there okay it's it's just that i'm blocked from it i cannot attach myself to it i'm it's there it's just and i think of it i'm visual so i think of it as like a literal conduit going to my soul and like the, there's a pipe and there's just literal shit blocking the pipe and i need something to clear the shit away right and um and that's why uh, none of this works. You guys were just talking about none of this works until it's completed, right? You don't, the, you know, you may get, you might get a trickle and that's why we have people who have experiences at five. Mm-hmm. They have experiences throughout the process of nine, but you don't fully experience God in my opinion until you've made it all the way through, right? Until you've completed the work and are, and are working. And then what you figure out is that not only do you get to clear that path, but then you actually can increase the size of the conduit. Yeah. And God is an unlimited resource of power. And as much as you are willing to seek, God is willing to provide, right? right. And it's just more and more will just flow through. And so, um, you know, uh, but I feel like, the other thing you talked about was that you were attempting to attach yourself to this God in the heavens. And I feel like that's the other thing. We all come in, a lot of us, when I say we all, a lot of people I think come in with this idea that God is this this thing that's out in the universe, right? And I have to, I have to go out and find this thing, you know, and I have to, and um, I've, I say at meetings a lot, I say, you know, um, God, people say, oh, you have to find God. They come in and they, we tell newcomers, you have to find God. You have to right. find your God. And what I always say is you don't have to find God because God's not lost. Mm. God knows exactly where God is. God's doing just fine. <laughs> what We are lost. But here's the beauty. If we just call out, I need help, God. Bomi's there. Right. It's there. Whatever. Doesn't he, it, whatever. I'm not suggesting any type of God, right? Um, but we come in 
with this kind of baked in idea, this kind of idea from our childhood that God is this God of the heavens. And whether we attach it to a religious idea or to a, a 1970s rock star, um, <laughs> you know, it uh, doesn't matter, right? Um, it's, yeah. it's still the same concept of God is outside of me. God is this thing that I, and the reality of what we, what we need to get better at as a fellowship is explaining that we are not attempting to, you're already attached to something, man. Like that's already done. We're not building the connection connections there. You've just, you're just blocked from it, right? Mm-hmm. You just haven't paid the cable bill in a while. You're connected to the cable company. You just haven't paid the bill. Mm-hmm. They're sending the signal. It's just not coming through. You know, God is sending the signal. And and I think what happens is we can't see that because we don't experience till we get sober. How many times have I heard people say like, I got sober. And then they look back and they can see those moments in their life where maybe God was like, you sure you don't need me? And we were like, nah, not today, buddy. And so it's like, <laughs> right. but it was there, right. you know? And if I could have just taken that turn at that moment, like I was introduced to AA before I got sober, right? years before, you know, right? And so like, God was there. God was like, I'm here if you need me, bud. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good, dude. I'm going to keep going on my own power. And that's cool. And that's the thing, um, you know, so here's the thing. I, I could literally talk for another two and a half hours on the next part of this chapter, you know, so um, I'll, I'll stop there and, and let you guys jump in. But I just think this is just such an incredible, I just love these pages so much. And I just, they mean so much to me personally, like they really were a turning point in my understanding of what I was um, jumping out into my sponsor took me here before he took me anywhere else. Mm. This is the first thing we read in the book. Um, and he, he, I say it too, to people, but I'm like, you know, I, this is where I steal the old Alki the old, old timer jokes. I'm like, I'm like, you know, like any good alcoholic, I like to flip to the end of the book and see how it ends before I read the whole thing, you know? So it's like, let's just go to the back and just figure out what the ending is. Let's spoil the whole thing. Right. And that way we know what we're working towards. You know, I also think it just does an incredible job of like setting up what the expectations of the person who's launching out into this are. Right. I think too, for me, it was like in newcomers defense coming to me, I thought they had to feel the same way I felt, you know? Mm -hmm. And then this, this part is what explains to me that they don't have to feel how I felt like spiritual experiences are all different. And so that was also like, um, my downfall in early, early on, you know, cause it's like, I, I gravitated towards a woman that like floated through the meetings and she had flowy skirt and I felt her energy. Like you know? she was selling and essential so, oils on the side. Yes. Was it and, Janis and, Joplin? Like a whole theme. I see my theme going here. Okay. I get it. I get it. Like, are you sure you it. don't live in Denver? <laughs> I guess I always wanted to. Um, I knew it. But so then you, I saw that I gravitated towards that. And then I'm like, so I have to be that because right. I had no idea. Right. And the thing is, is like, um, you know, I was sharing in a meeting a couple nights ago. It's like, I was taken through the steps four times, four different ways, oh. you know? And so, and I know I'm not the only one that's experienced that. Sure. Like, um, so it's just kind of like, and now me going through the steps again with the sponsor I have now, um, and I'm coming up on 13 years sober. This was the correct big book way that right. I'm doing it. And it's, it's clear direction in this book. So it's like, 
holy shit, now I can transmute exactly what is shown in the book to newcomers. Right. I don't have to take them for coffee. I don't have to loan my clothes to them. I don't have to like <laughs> buy them cigarettes, you know, like I, like I used to think I had to, because right, it's right. like, no, that's what you do. And I'm like, okay, I believe you. Like, I had no boundaries. I didn't know what I was doing, you know, and I'm just like, if it's God's will, I pick up the newcomer and buy her cigarettes. I don't know. (laughs) And so I'm like, I don't know. Like if Jim Morrison wants me to, I guess I'll do it, you know? (laughs) I don't know about Um, God, but Jim Morrison definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Can't you see him? I'm just saying in the clouds. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) WWJMD. Exactly. Thank you. So, um, I'm a late, I'm a late bloomer and that's how it feels. You know, it's like, I was an early bloomer with the spiritual experience, you know, and thank God that I, I stayed sober through this, like up and down because I want, because I had, you know, willingness and, um, willingness saved my life truly. Right. And that's what I love about this part too, where it's like honesty, open-mindedness and willingness, not you're going to have my same experience. You know, it's like, um, and to let it evolve too. And now it's like, and now I'm here exactly where it's like, this is the, can I say, quote unquote, correct way to work the right. you know, and that's it. Well, but that's, there isn't, I mean, that's the thing is like, there is no correct way to God. So there's no correct way to get to God, but there is only one way to do Alcoholics Anonymous. Right. Yes. I think that's where so many, it just, I was just, I was just literally just talking to my wife about this sort of, <clears throat> sort of just uh, briefly last night on the drive home, um, where we were talking about something unrelated, and I was just like, I was like, this is the type of thing that happens in AA, the the conflicts in quotes in AA all the time, where it's like, I am a person who. Like, I I have no question about it. I know exactly how to show someone how to take the 12 steps. There's not, mm-hmm. there's not, <laughs> like, there is an exact way how to do this without deviating at all from how to actually do it. And that's not arrogance. <laughs> I just know how to do something. And, like... In my experience, it's just because like I can I can read English and I have a book like that's like I'm not it, it, it's no virtue that I possess right so I'm not when I show up in a meeting and I talk about that I'm not bragging about some sort of character trait that I have that other people can't attain or you know don't have they weren't born with um, but people take it that way right and. The, the way the way in which this came up, this conversation was that, you know, there's certain people in the world who believe and 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 endorse other people who believe really flatly, plainly, provably common sense, untrue things. Right. Um, I'm going to try to stay very vague here. Right. <laughs> I was like, whoa. And so. Then when you say, oh, well, yeah, no, that's, that's not correct. They get offended and they're like very upset at that. Um, now this wasn't me saying that. This is just, we're talking about something else, but the correlation to me is like, okay, so the fact that you don't know something and that I do know it doesn't mean I'm being a jerk. It means that I'm trying to tell people how to do something and you're, you're trying to say, no, no. 
he's wrong because I am ignorant. And so it's like, okay, you're the one creating a conflict, right? You're mm-hmm. interjecting your opinions and your plainly provably wrong beliefs about something into a discussion that like you don't even need to be a part of, right? Um, now, whether you want to get into the the idea of like a lot of these people not even being alcoholics, not even like needing to be in the debate to begin with, that's a whole other like we can just leave that aside. But the fact of the matter is there's a set of directions and then there's everything else. So it's like, you know, I've had this experience is what I think about when you're talking about that tug. Tuggy. I'm like trying to come up with some other <laughs> nickname to the nickname, but Cody. Tug word. Um so when when you think about like I have I have no doubt that, you know, from what you've just said, all three of us, I'm sure, many, many of our listeners have sponsored people who are like, Wow, well this is like a this is a different way to do the steps. <laughs> like when you start doing it with them and it's like it's it's always novel to me uh, because I'm I'm like I'm I'm sitting across from someone or talking to someone on Zoom or the phone or whatever, and it's like the entire time we've just been doing what the book says, and we've both been holding a book, and we've both been looking at the book, and we've both been reading what the book says, and then doing what the book says, and inevitably when they've quote gone through the steps of someone else, they do this thing like you were saying, where they're just like, well, this is a this is a different way to do this, and it's just like, bud, th- this is the, <laughs> this is the way to do this. This is this thing, and the thing is, it's it's not even it, it's like Fred said, it's not even that this is the way. It's that this is the thing. This is the thing. So like when my niece grabs like my chess set and she's like making designs on the chessboard, you know, that's cute and it's fun. And I'd love to jump (laughs) into that world with her, but that's not the rules of chess. (laughs) That's not how you play chess. And then it's like, I'm going to go to chess meetings and chess tournaments and I'm going to scream at people because they're not playing chess the way my niece does. I sound like a fucking insane person, right? Because there's a set of rules to play chess, you know? And it's a similar thing. This isn't a take on the 12 steps. It's not a version of the 12 steps. This is AA. That's it. You know, there's this thing. And it comes down to... Um, the importance of that comes down to, again, this will effectively reproduce a spiritual experience. You'll get that. If you come to this with open-mindedness, you're willing to do the work, and you are honest about all of it, you'll have a spiritual experience. And I don't care what it looks like for you, but it will happen. It'll show up because you do this stuff. That is AA, right? So what we're going to do though is we're going to so we're going to have our weekly chess meeting and uh, we're going to invite your niece who's never actually played chess doesn't know anything about chess we're going to invite her there and she's going to you know the thing is about your niece and, and I love her she's Real just great you know ways. and like she's um you know she's one thing she's really good at is attendance you know and she's good at getting there early and she helps <laughs> set up the chairs and she makes the coffee and she really attends and you can tell she's listening intently and she's even picking up some of the stuff so she's able to like kind of talk about chess she never again still to this day never actually played chess <laughs> day in her life, you know, and about 60 days from now, you know, somebody in the meeting is going to pick up on it and they're going to be like, Hey, um, 
be great if we could have you speak next week at the meeting because I've noticed you've been here a lot and like you know um, I've heard some of the things you said and you know they they sound like things that other people say so I'm gonna think that you also are playing chess and then she's gonna get up there and there's gonna be a bunch of new people we're trying to bring into the to the chess club and she's gonna be up there talking complete utter nonsense (laughs) but she has a desire to not play checkers so (laughs) put her on the podium Oh, like man. the chess analogy. Yeah, that just kind of I like the out. chess analogy too. I think, you know, what it comes down to for me is like um so it really just comes down to uh statistics, data as the kids like to call it these days, right? So um uh but you know, like at the time when people believed that the the 12 steps were um a path to uh, experiencing a relationship with something outside of themselves and that by having that experience, that thing would solve their problem. Their problem being that, um, when they drank a, an alcoholic beverage, um, they could, they had no idea what was going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, that was their problem, right? Their problem wasn't that they were getting a divorce. That was a right. symptom and that shit was happening too. their, that their problem was that, that they had done everything in their power to not do this thing. And they kept coming back to it and they kept coming back to it. And they, no matter how great the necessity or wish to stop, they couldn't stop. And, um, every time they picked up, it was like, a they just had no idea. You know, it was one time they would have two beers and go home to the wife and everything seemed fine. And then a week later they'd try it again and boom, they're in Reno banging a hooker. They had no, you know, just no idea. That's the true story. Um, and, um, braggart. So, <laughs> So, but when people believed in this thing, it was working at a rate of 50 to 60% on the first go around. And then they saw something like, uh, half of the other group, um, that would get sober after they tried it a few times. Right. And, um, and if, if we just, I mean, the thing is all you have to do is like, if this is again, if this is the first episode of this podcast you ever listened to, and you're like, what are these crazy people talking about? Like, just go, just go to AA for 90 days and tell me what you think the rate of recovery is in Alcoholics Anonymous today. Cause I'll guarantee it's in nothing like 50 to 60%. Right. You know, I mean, I think, I think, and, and it's very hard to track statistics in an anonymous program. You know, we don't um, send out like a, like a survey monkey, you know, to figure out where people are at, but I've, I'm in and out of these rooms a lot. And I go to a lot of treatment centers. You know, my guess is we're, you know, we're, we're falling well below 5%. We could be below 1% at this point. I mean, it's just, and again, it's tricky because we're getting a lot of people who may not actually even be, you know, as John was saying, may not actually even be alcoholics. But, you know, I think to me, the, the thing that we miss a lot of times in the early days of talking to a newcomer, um, that's mentioned, you know, back in the reading that we're talking about, um, is where it talks about how, uh, most it says most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover. And that sounds an awful lot like what it says on page 58, where it says the only people who can experience this are people who are incapable of being honest with themselves. Right. Right. Um, and, uh, and so that's really it. Like you either see that you have this problem or you don't. Right. Right. You can either say, and the thing is I've been to AA when I didn't have this, right. When I was incapable of being honest with myself and guess what, no matter a bunch of good people's trying and, and going to a 
ton of meetings Mm -hmm. and even having a sponsor who worked directly out of the book and did take me, Annie, through the quote unquote right directions, right? Uh, Despite all that, it didn't work because I didn't have that ability, right? And that's what it all comes down to. And that's what we fail. That's where we fail people is we are unwilling to let people experience pain um, because we're afraid that if we don't help, if we don't get them back and back and back, that they're going to, you know, it's going to be on our conscious, um, our, our conscience when they, when they go back out and relapse. The Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer. This week on the Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer, comedic genius, acting legend, celebrity husband, recovery community icon, host of the Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer, and all-around inspiration, Dex Farmer. So, so when I when I got into this, right, right, you know, and I my experience, yes, here, yes, there's a, which there's is, a lived experience. There's a lived experience. There's a shared okay. lived experience. Okay, yes, shared, and my experience. I'm. Oh, go ahead. No, you, well, I was just gonna say my experience. Oh, oh, yeah. Sorry, you're. Oh. Oh, okay, so my experience. Yeah. Has, uh, uh, this, there is never, there's never a destination. Never a destination. The, the right. destination doesn't exist. I think that the, I agree with you. The older you get, the longer uh-huh. you are on that path, the more, the, the, the more that you. Uh, as for me, uh, as for me, someone who's been in recovery right. so long, mm-hmm. someone right. who's right. been there, who's there's no, there's the, no end. No, this goes on forever. This, and, and 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 that's what I'm trying to say is that mm-hmm. uh, someone who's been there, someone who, uh, who who's been in long term, uh, eighteen oh, years, eighteen. I've been oh, I've been sober okay, for my drug ahead, choice for eighteen go. years. Um, me, eight, eight, me too. I have eighteen years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. now back to what I was trying to get to here, and which is basically, um, you know, I was I always thought you didn't like me. Oh no, no, why why would you think that? Why would you say that even? I, I, I you're 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 my favorite person. You're one of my favorite people easily. The Backseat Driver Podcast with Dex Farmer. Available wherever you get your podcasts. I just want to clarify that, like, the dismal recovery rate is not why I laugh when you say that. That's mm. that's horrifying, and it and it's it's terrible. And I think a lot of it is, unfortunately, is avoidable uh, mm. in theory, at least. Um, the reason why I laugh is imagining giving someone the direction of going to meetings specifically just to see what do you, how many of these people do you think (laughs) are recovering, you know? Right. Because how many meetings have you gone to, or do you talk about treatment center treatment centers even more? How many times have I been in a treatment center where, you know, three weeks later, somebody is back in there who was, you know, like it's just, it, it, it's it's staggering when you yeah. look at it that way. That through that lens, it's just like it, it's it's like laughing at a funeral kind of thing. It's just like I I just I chuckled instinctively when you said that because it's 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 that is an absurd premise to suggest someone go for that reason. <laughs> and I've never really thought about it like that. But it's like that would be it would it would crush your spirit <laughs> if that's why you went. If you went to AA to look for success. Mm. You would, you'd 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 be like a deflated tire, you know. <laughs> She's like, wow, 
just just trickle out like a puddle afterward, you know. <laughs> just like that's true. You know, I mean, it, how how many how many meetings do you go to where the overarching theme is what we just read that mm. this is a room full of people whose lives are based in the awareness of a connection to a power greater than themselves. It's just like uh, I'm going to say not not most of the meetings that I go to. <laughs> not a lot. Right. And I think too, like I think with my experience like and seeing people honestly coming and going because they keep saying that I'm keep coming back and which is terrible. <laughs> um, but that there's a they don't want the direct direction that this book offers. I feel like it's like, they want to try, let me just like see. And I think in this, like, cause back then this was the only option and it wasn't, you don't think about anything else. Right. And now it's like, there's, you know, the new agey recovery shit and then like hot yoga or whatever, <laughs> like, um, gratitude list. So it's really <laughs> like, um, <laughs> so, like it's like if and then how many times I've asked people like where they're like oh I would contempt without prior investigation exactly where they're like oh I wouldn't do AA I'm like how many meetings have you gone to like have you ever been to an AA meeting no but I'm like okay so they just already assume what it is without knowing and knowing that and so that's gone on in social media where it's like the information is at people's fingertips of in wrong information you know and it's just kind of like um, and they're just going to, you know, sit in their misery. Lo- like, I just, it's, it's hard to watch, you know? And, and you think like, um, I just think like the willingness part, they just want to try other shit first, you know, mm-hmm. because they think this is an outdated cause they don't know, right. you know? And, and, and I think like for me being not missing, I wouldn't say I was misinformed early on. Cause like, obviously whatever I did kept me sober up until this point and I, I meant well so hopefully <laughs> that meant something you know it was without nothing you know um but now that I can I can transmit in the right way and it's like now I have two sponsees that I can take them and that will be a ripple effect because then they can take their sponsees and it's like that's all we can do now is I can do it correctly now that's all I can offer you know and it's like thank God, I was given this opportunity right. to be able to do it correctly, you know, right. moving forward. I just, you know, I think I just wish that, um, I love everything you just said, um, Andy, and I know that for, you know, for me, like, tugboat, it doesn't, please, I don't, tugboat. oh, sorry, it's, tugboat, Andy, sorry. Tug. Yeah, you. sorry. I know your real name isn't Annie. I won't no. say your real name. No. Um, so, uh, Fanny. you know, I, I know, uh, <laughs> would you say Fanny? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My name on the show um, would be Annie, but my real name's Franny. Okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, you know, you were talking about people getting sober, like uh, using transcendental meditation or hot yoga or whatever it is that they're using, right? And and the thing is, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong right. with deciding to go new wave. If dropping fifteen hundred dollars into Holly Whitaker's bank account gets you sober, <laughs> then like more power to you. Like I have no problem with that. You know what I mean? Like I have no, um, I have a maybe a slight moral problem with that, but I have no problem with you. I, that's on Holly's side, not on yeah, your right. side, right? So, 
Um, so the, what I wish, this is what I wish, like, I wish that people had enough respect for our program where you either a, if you have no idea what it is, keep your mouth shut until you do. And B, if you have been around long enough that you do know what, what it is, then anything that it isn't keep it for after the meeting, right? You want to talk to your sponsors, sponsees about, about bringing them on to hot yoga or taking them to a, a clean, to a, a mountaintop so that the clean wind can blow through. I'm all for that, you know, on the side, you know, I've talked about it here many times. Like, um, I do things outside of Alcoholics Anonymous that I happen to love, um, that I would have never touched if I had not experienced God through the 12 steps, but I don't talk about that shit in meetings. Like right. I talk about AA in meetings out of respect for the program that brought me back my sanity. Right. You know, and, and you said something, you know, that, um, that, uh, they think something that they think Alcoholics Anonymous is outdated. And here's my challenge to that. You can't outdate something that is timeless. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, of experiencing, um, a power outside of yourself was there before AA. Right. People were attempting to do it before Carl Jung knew it. People before Carl Jung knew it. Mm-hmm. People in the 15th century knew that that something about this connection with something outside of ourselves, you know, was important in our lives, you know, and that we had this belief inside of ourselves, um, you know, that we that we wanted to be connected to it, you know, and so um, AA has just has just packaged it up in a, in a nice little package for specifically for this group of people, Mm -hmm. you know, would it work? Listen, I have friends uh, who listen to this podcast who have no relationship to Alcoholics Anonymous whatsoever. I go out to dinner with them and they drink alcoholic beverages. They're perfectly normal, but they love listening to the podcast because they get things out of it on the spiritual side of their life that they think helps this is not an AA. Like we didn't, we, again, we don't have the market cornered on spirituality. Right. Um, but, uh, if you're going to go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, have enough respect for this thing that you only talk about what we're doing within this, within the, the, the confines of this program. Right. I love that you said that. I think too, like with, um, you know, just even little things where it's like, if someone says to me, like anything about AA, just like you said, it's like my, what I can offer is, I would appreciate you not, you know, saying anything about the program if you haven't experienced it. And it's that, it's that simple. I don't have to get all crazy and whatever. I can just say like, I would appreciate just like I wouldn't, if I haven't eaten at a restaurant, I'm not going to be like, I fucking hate that restaurant. It's like, well, have you been there? You know, like, no, but I hate the chef. It's like, okay. You know? So it's the same thing. And it's like, I would just appreciate like, if you haven't, don't knock it till you try it, you know? Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Tug, tug, tug. Um, earlier yeah. you said, that's me. You said something about in the um, early days of your sobriety, um, you did, you had experience and you had something of worth, um, but you weren't able to transmit, you know, experientially, like how to get there. The The line that you said that really stuck out to me was, um, in terms of the book and what we just read, you said it wasn't what they were asking for. So like, meaning, you know, um, it was, it was, uh, a really valuable, important thing for you that you had experienced and that you had. Um, but it wasn't the thing that the creators of this program were asking someone to have in order to do the steps. Right. 
Um, and I think that that's really important, you know, and not to kind of beat a dead horse, but what we're talking about is not, um, not even faith, right? Really what this stuff comes down to is just like, you're going to do this stuff or not, you know, and it comes down to experience. Um, I think it was person who I believe is your sponsor. Um, I heard in our meeting say one time, um, something that obviously I've, you know, I, she said, um, God, like God is not a concept. God's an experience. And, um, it's the kind of thing where you hear someone say it and you have experienced it and you're like, why did I never say that exact pattern of words before? <laughs> like, how, yeah. How had I never like it's, and it's just like, I've, you know, I've explained God that way 50 times since, since hearing that phrase that way. Um, because it really much like the word God, it really just, consolidates everything into this very, very specific package that's very easy to communicate. Um, Because that's what it is for me, because I was, unlike, you know, what you were saying, I was, when I came to the 12 Steps, um, vehemently anti-spirituality. I thought all of, like, the entire... (laughs) You know, everyone that you're describing, from Jim Morrison to the lady with the flowy dress... And the hot yoga people, like all of that stuff I thought was so stupid. I mean, I would, you know, do yoga, but hot yoga, stupid. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, so I've, I've known Fred for years, right? Me and Fred have probably, I don't know, hundreds of meetings. I don't know, together, like been in meetings or, Mm -hmm. you know, hung out with people we sponsor, like, you know, been part of starting multiple groups and meetings together. We started a podcast you may have heard of. (laughs) You're you're on it right now. Um, So something that Fred said stuck out to me earlier. Um, You know, if it's both of you guys, if it's, if it's not, so I'm going to tell you a story with all that in mind. um, Fred knows me pretty well, right? So Fred has never heard this story. So when I was early in sobriety, um, I was experiencing like borderline psychosis. I was having um, very delusional thinking that would like paralyze me, right? Um, And I was having you know, weeks at a time where I was like basically unable to leave my house. And I would like, like it was, it was beyond, it had nothing to do with alcoholism. This was like something mental, some mental condition that had happened to me. Right. Um, and I, like it was to the point where I would have, like, I thought people were like poisoning me and stuff. It was just crazy. Mm. And I had, these experiences where I would, you know, I was useless. You know, I, I was not being of any use to anyone. I would like open a soda pop and, or a bottle of water and like set it next to me. And then like, if I turned around five minutes later, I saw it again. I was convinced somehow, even though I'm the only person in the house now it's been poisoned. Like there was this thing mm. that was wrong, broken in my brain from all of this abuse from drugs I had done to my brain. Um, 
And I got to this point one time, um, you know, I was reading the big book and I was going to a ton of meetings and really trying to actively like struggle and fight against this insanity, not again, not alcoholic insanity, this actual like borderline insanity that was keeping me prisoner. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was in the middle of the night, like the wee hours of the morning. I was like in a panic, like crying, balled up in the bed, freaked out. Right. And suddenly out of nowhere, this overwhelming thing like shook the room. And it was like this voice that I felt in every part of my body. Have you ever had like a contrast dye <laughs> injected into you when they do like one of those scans where it's like you can feel every like cell in your body feels hot? Mm-hmm. It was like that. Mm-hmm. And I could feel this voice. And this voice was like, how dare you think I would ever let that happen to you? And it mm-hmm. was this overpowering mm-hmm. thing. And it changed my life. The next day I was, that shit was gone. Um, and it, it was a struggle sometimes, uh, you know, after that I would like get sick and have the flu and that old thinking would kind of come back and I would feel like a little, you know, but, but at that point I'd be like, okay, I, I feel run down. I feel weird. Right. Like it's fine. But my day to day life was fundamentally changed like 175 degrees, let's say, right. Almost all the way there like that. Right. From one sentence that I heard this thing say, um, and then I drank and used drugs for another 17 years, (laughs) you know, that profound thing didn't result in me recovering from alcoholism, right? Mm. There's a reason that Fred's never heard that story. Fred's never heard that story because uh, uh, that story offers no weight to, to someone mm. in AA, I, because he's never heard me tell that to some newcomer in a meeting. I've mm. never talked about that because I can't say, here's how this happened. Here's what happened for me. Uh, you mm. know, I'm not going to give the newcomer advice, do enough drugs, namely <laughs> nitrous oxide nonstop to, you know, produce psychosis and then go through several months of suffering. And then eventually, you know, maybe you'll have a psychotic break and you'll hear God and everything will be groovy. I can't give that to someone, but what I can give them is 17 years later, when I came back to AA, Fred and a guy he was sponsoring at the time were like, Hey, so here's where we were at. And we literally were just open to doing these directions and we were honest with them and, um, we did it and we're not there anymore. And I was like, well, I hate God and anyone who even uses that word, but you guys seem like fucked up drug addicts who are actually happy now. So, okay, I'll try that. And they showed me directions and I fucking recovered, you know? And now I have a substantive life-changing course of action that I can give to any person, right? So like for me when 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 we talk about this stuff, it is personal. It's not just like an intellectualization of like you shouldn't say stuff that doesn't, you know what I mean? Cuz it's like I have tons of stuff I could tell people that don't have anything to do with helping them recover from alcoholism, you know? Um, and all of it's well-meaning. And even if I told someone that story, like that might give someone something, I don't know, but 
my role, particularly as, as a sponsor, but as a recovered alcoholic in a meeting, is to talk about this shit. Is to talk about no one need have difficulty with the spiritual aspect of the program. No one. The book says nobody. And if we look at page 47, probably my favorite page, right? <laughs> I, like, I, I think my favorite page changes all the time. But we look at page 47. <laughs> it tells us two huge things about this. It tells us, firstly, the top of the page, anytime, right? Anytime in this book that we talk about spiritual terms or we use the word God, just substitute what that means to you. In this book that people call closed-minded and outdated and whatever, this book written in the 30s is telling you, you don't need to believe what we believe. Whatever you believe is sufficient. And then right below that, it says, you only need to ask yourself one question. Do you now believe or are you even willing to believe there's a mm -hmm. power greater than yourself? And it doesn't even capitalize power, right? Mm. If that's the barrier of entry, if that's where I have to be, like yep. how obstinate, dishonest, and unwilling am I if I'm not even able to cross that boundary? Yep. Amen, brother. Honestly. Right. Um, you know, I think it's funny as you said that, um, I mean, sharing how my shares have changed in the last few months because of working the steps the way I have been and working with the book. Those are the sponsees I'm attracting. They want that. They don't yep. want ethereal, whimsical, flowy mm. uh, skirt girl anymore. You know, they want the word. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I'll still wear them. No. Right. Um, but they, you know, it's, so it's just interesting because it's like, oh, she means business. So it's like, I'm not, it's not going to be the same experience for me either as a sponsor, you know, right. and, it, and that gives me, the ironic part is that gives me more freedom as a sponsor that it's like, I can, now I can transmit and be of actual service to God, right. you know, instead of, you know, I can be flowy skirt woman outside of AA all I want. I can talk about Jim Morrison in the clouds all I want outside of <laughs> AA, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's what I took from what you said too. And, you know, both of you. So it's just really like you, I can do hot yoga all day and so can anyone, but it's like, that's not the program, you know, and that's not, we don't talk about that in meetings and it's like, um, you know, it's just kind of that ripple effect of like the meetings I go to in Austin. Oops, can I say in Austin? You can cut it out. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, but um, I don't want them to find tug tug, you know? Um, we do have a lot. We do have a, a fairly large group of podcast stalkers who will track you down. Thanks. So I could have one of my questions this, and 12 you know? questions is your, your home address. So, I mean, we might as well just get it out now. Let's yeah. just get it out. You know? Um, so yeah, just, you know, being the, like being able to, um, like transmit that in my meetings and that's, you know, truly that's what I can do and that's what I can offer and what I can offer my sponsees is taking them through the book in the right way and that the way it's supposed to be. Right. So. The, the only thing left that I would like to cover with this, um, is the concept of the educational variety mm. because I <laughs> I feel like it's kind of like a cliche <laughs> to even talk about it, but I will hear people in meetings um, talking about like, I, f I feel like I'm having the educational variety of, you know what I'm saying? You guys have heard this. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
you know, all, all I want to say from my experience and from my experience, sponsorship, watching people sponsor other people, whatever. Um, the, the, the event of realizing that the, um, you know, so there, there's a, there's a person in our family who might be in a situation where they need this thing. Right. Mm. And then someone else in my family will be like, well, I told them that you blah, 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 whatever. Right. And apparently, you know, this is some time ago, apparently their reaction to that was like, Oh, well, isn't that like a faith thing? Like I couldn't do that. You know, and this kind of comes back to, you know, something that tug tug was saying earlier that like, you know, the, the misconception of AA is that like, I have to come to AA fully formed and I have to have like this, you know, faith or whatever. Right. When again, you know, dead horse, you know, you don't need that. You need to be open. So, what 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 really I think about with this educational variety thing is like there are many things uh, to which I have come around through the process of the steps, right? Like speaking to religious people and not thinking that they're stupid. <laughs> like that's like yeah. that's like a, that that's a that's weird to me, right? Yep. To like hear profound truths shared from religious perspectives and not feel alienated by them and to not mm. judge people espousing those views um, and to see worth in them and to feel like, wow, those like things I used to think were sticky cliches. Like I'm saying them and feeling them now, you know, because I feel open and I don't feel closed off to the possibility of like, you know, being helped by someone's experience, no matter who they are, um, or what their perspective may be. That's kind of like the educational variety stuff in my, my view, but the event of having, having this experience where the person in my family who I was just mentioning last night at a birthday party was like repeatedly like handing me alcohol, <laughs> like trying to get me to drink alcohol. Mm hmm. Having the experience where I'm just like, this could, li it, it could literally be like a, a cup of dog food. It's just, it's like, I don't, I'm not having a struggle with this situation. What I'm having is like, this must be a, this must be a really hard time in your life to where <laughs> you're, you're trying to get someone to drink. Yeah. Um, who, who, you know, is sober for multiple years um and who you you watched struggle for a long time um and mm -hmm. like the w when i realized that that thing that center in my brain to get off into lou reed territory that center in my brain that needed to get outside of my brain you know that needed opioids or booze or something that always was there when I realized that that thing was gone and that that was not mm. there. That was a fucking event. That was mm -hmm. absolutely an event, you know? And I don't know exactly where it happened. Um, but I know that like maybe two days after the first guy I sponsored, 
you know, I started sitting with him, I was like, oh shit, that thing's gone. And it's not ever come right. back. It's just gone, right? That was a huge event for me. In tandem with that, there have been some educational variety things, right? But I think what this comes down to when I hear people talking about this in meetings is like, I'm just going to go ahead and decide what God's going to do, right? God's going to give me the educational variety, you know, like, and, and I think that it becomes one of these talking points where we limit our experience by what we're opening, what we're opening ourselves up to. Like, what am I open to? I'm not open to having this event take place. I'm open to this growing process of, you know what I'm saying? And Mm -hmm. I think that like many uh, other parts of the book, that little line is kind of taken out of context to mean like, you know, we, we really, we get to choose what's going to happen, you know? Like I get to just settle for this because I'm not having this event take place. Um, but in reality, again, if you're doing this work, it's going to be powerful. There's going to be a powerful thing that happens for you. And my experience has been that the people who have no, nothing to share about a powerful event taking place in their life have just not done the work. That's been, that's been Mm -hmm. my experience, you know? Right. And then I'll just tack on there real quick. Um, so, you know, you were talking, so I, I keep thinking about, uh, one of my favorite, lines you know in the book and i I love quoting this line in treatment centers especially because um it's a guaranteed uh hitter of a joke but um you always get some laughing but uh you know on page 31 it says uh we have tried every imaginable remedy Mm. right so the, the the people who wrote this book um have tried had tried everything to get sober before they came to Alcoholics Anonymous, right? So, um, or before they, before they came to the idea, there was no Alcoholics Anonymous before they came to the idea of, you know, God working. Right. So a lot of them probably were like, Ooh, that's a faith thing. Uh, I think I'm going to go and try hot yoga, whatever it is. Right. And so like (laughs) my joke, my joke, I'll give this one out because, you know, we got people out in Arizona want to make a joke in the treatment center. I'll help you out here. So then what you get, what I say is, it's like, you know, in the book, it says we've tried every imaginable remedy. So if like, if, if anybody's in here hasn't tried, just don't drink. You know, my suggestion is you leave the rehab right now and go home and just try that. Sure. Because if you haven't tried, just don't drink and you're in rehab, you've completely messed this up. <laughs> you've gotten things in the reverse order, <laughs> you know, always good for a laugh. Right. So, um, my point is this, is that people in Prescott, you know, we've been, Arizona we've, furiously <laughs> scribbling notes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Please write into the show and let us know how that joke went over. Did you get kicked out of rehabs? Um, that you probably shouldn't listen to anything. Cause I do get kicked out of too many <laughs> legitimately gets kicked out. <laughs> so, um, they don't want to hear the truth, man. But mid, um, mid mid speech at a podium, at, just pull literally off pull the, the cord out of the mic. <laughs> um, really happened. So, uh, so my point is this: is that like I, the story you just told is is, set, is I, I'm sure so many people can have that have had that experience, right? I mean, I people do it to me all the time. Oh, family member, friend, mm-hmm. whatever it is, you know, and like my job as, as, as a, as a sober recovered member of Alcoholics Anonymous is not to go up to this person and be like, Hey, let me pitch you on the, let me get my PowerPoint out and pitch <laughs> you on the, the, uh, the, uh, the benefits of AA, right? My, right. my job is to live 
um, as a recovered individual and demonstrate the principles of this program in my everyday life. And by doing that, I make the program so attractive that after this person has tried every other remedy that they could possibly think of, um, there is nothing left for them to do um, but to come to me personally um, and say, hey, you know what? I am fucked. Bingo. And, 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 And if they do that, we get to come alongside them and say, you're exactly where you need to be. <laughs> right. This is exactly what I've been waiting for. And let me let me bring you to page 567. And we're going to talk a little bit about honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, because that's gonna that's gonna set the cornerstone for you is to understand what your what my expectations of you are gonna be as we work through this process. Um, and uh, and if you do everything that we say, if we do everything that's said in this book, um, exactly as it's outlined, and, and you just try as hard as you can um, and be as honest as you can, um, you, you'll have an experience. You know, and, and, and the truth is, is that this isn't say that you have to be completely honest, right? I mean, like you just have to be as honest as you can be in that moment. I'm a lot more honest today than I was right. like, you know, on day one or whatever, you know, like, right. um, I've been able to uncover a lot of things, you know, like, uh, having a hazy brain is a legitimate thing. Yeah. Like I, you know, I have sponsees who call me all the time. who will be like, I just remembered something, Yeah, you know, actually it happened last week with somebody who I sponsor and he's like, Holy sh! And he sent me like he'll text me his kind of like his amends, you know. And he sent me this like a long text, and at the bottom is that completely forgot about this one. <laughs> it's like, but I'm gonna want to go make it this weekend. And I was like, and this guy's been done, you know, he's done with his amends, but he just like was laying in bed, and all of a sudden it was like click. Oh yeah, that person who I had forgotten about, right? Anyways, right. I'm going down a rabbit hole. Sorry, let me stick. So, um, the the last thing I wanted to say about this chapter is um. In the, it says, um, and, and you talked about this a little bit, John, earlier, but it says, you know, we find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. And what I always point out to my sponsees when we read that is I say, um, if we lined up 100 people in a, in a room of Alcoholics Anonymous and we said, none of you have to have a, a difficulty with the spirituality of the program, how many of them do we have to remove from that group? Right. Zero, right? Now, that's not even the same as at the top of 568 it says most of us think this awareness which means there was 9 it was 100 of the original 100 one or two of them were like well i don't know about that right you know it was like somebody disagreed or they would have said all of us it probably did say all of us and then we changed it for some bullshit reason <laughs> but um it says we find but what i always point out too is i always say it that what it doesn't say though is that we find that no one need have difficulty with the steps the steps are they're not they're simple but they are not easy right right? um again one of my favorite things to say is like um simple write down the people you fucked over difficult go knock on their door and take responsibility for who you were in their life. Right. Right. Uh, simple. Say, I owe that guy $5,000 difficult. Pay him back. Yeah. <laughs> right. So mm-hmm. simple, not easy, not to say this is just going to be a cakewalk, but if you do it, the result on the other side um, is exactly what John was talking about. Right. Is um, if we're doing our job correctly, it, it, it should scream out of us that they want what we have. Exactly what, what Tuggy was talking about. Um, it's like impossible to say your name without, I love it without like laughing, but yeah, exactly what you were talking about. Right. It's like, you're attracting people today that you couldn't have attracted before. Um, and I love the fact that you have 13 years of 
recovery, you know, sobriety, whatever it is. And however long uh, I am after this, I do. I'm very curious who your sponsor is now, but, um, uh, I'm sure I know her. So, um, I'm very curious, but, um, I love people like you because you get to, you get to reach people who I could never reach. Mm-hmm. You know, you had an experience in Alcoholics Anonymous. You are going to speak to people who are literally dying in meetings right now mm-hmm. who have been around for years who will only be able to hear it directly from you right you know and what an incredible mm-hmm. gift that is from god and that's why every day when i think i might have an idea what his plan is um okay. i take because i'm like no you you went through that just to be here today so you can help these people right you know it's yes. a perfect plan it is and it's funny because it's like as soon as i i shared that it wasn't this crawling on the ground dying it was like i'm ready for, you know it was more like it was crazy how it happened where it was just like um a friend of mine invited me to this meeting black rhinos and i went my sponsor was in that meeting i didn't ask her that first meeting it was the third meeting that she wrote her number in the chat and i fucking wrote it down in my phone and then it took me six days to text her <laughs> you know it's just like the old i mean it was like the old days the same thing you know and it was just like and as soon as i got a sponsor um because I, I would say like for like six years Brene brown was my sponsor she just didn't know it <laughs> um, <laughs> I think I have one of her books oh, kicking around here. That's it. I'm just reading her books. She's sponsoring me through her books, you know? I belonged again. And it wasn't that I never, it, just like you said about God, it wasn't, they, AA was waiting for me. It wasn't, it didn't kick me out. Right. I just, I turned my back on it. And it wasn't this like angry thing. It was just like, I'm good, you know? And like, but then I get a sponsor. Now I've worked the steps. I'm almost complete within, within 60 days, you know, which is how it should be done. Not a take, it shouldn't take a fucking year, you mm-hmm. know? Um, now I can raise my hand and sponsor women. I wasn't mm-hmm. able to do that for so long because I didn't have a sponsor. So that, you know, it's just interesting how fast we can be a part of. Mm-hmm. And that's what like, I, I want to convey to newcomers or people that have five years dry that are like, fuck me. Oh, fuck. What do I do? Like, but I have five years. I don't need a sponsor. What mm-hmm. I, it's like, it's, but you want a sponsor, go get one, you know? And it's like to do the work now, it feels concrete. I'm going to go back to mortar and concrete. And what are the other words of foundation? I need to <laughs> sand, mortar. That's all I sand um, <laughs> Cement and bags. I don't know. Uh, um, they didn't have asphalt back then, so I'm I not going to bring that up. There was a wheelbarrow. <laughs> so, so it just feels more, I feel more concrete and right. more, now I am able to. So thank you for saying that. I really appreciate it. Like, it just feels, I belong again. And it wasn't that I didn't belong before, right. but I needed to do that. And I needed to feel that again. That's what I knew. What was missing in my life was wanting to because i fucking love this program i love the book but now i love it even more and in depth and it's just like holy shit like there's so many gems i missed before mm-hmm. but it's cute to see my underlines from 12 and a half years ago I'm like, <laughs> like i did give a shit you know and it's like but now it's like to hear my sponsor and her her share to me i'm like holy shit it's like it's like a brand new experience mm-hmm. and it's beautiful and like I'm grateful that I was able to start again without having to go back out. It wasn't, thank God that wasn't my experience. You know, it's just like, I can just reenter and it's like, and that's it. And here I am now, you know? Right. 
you, awesome. you guys keep reminding me of, I don't know if Dr. Bob said this, but it's a quote I've heard attributed to Dr. Bob, which I think is fitting to end our discussion on the spiritual experience, which ends with misquoting someone um, or attrib- misattributing a quote, I guess. Uh, but the quote was, um, carry this message, use words if you must, something like that. Hmm. So like, just like Fred was talking about, I almost called you John because these are not our real names. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, is the, the I think the the anti Doctor Bob quote that I'm attributing to him that I'm trying to be clear. I don't know if he said that. Uh, the antithesis of that is the guy in the Bill Wilson is my homie T-shirt, who who's like you know you know car covered in AA bumper stickers and he's like cutting you off in traffic and then flipping you the bird and then you see him at the gas station and he steals somebody's pump and he like tells you to go fuck yourself or whatever it's it's just like but then he's the first to tell you he's in AA and you know it's just mm-hmm. like this whole thing of being a guardian of the fellowship well you know carry this message and use words if you must you know mm. okay and then, That's why and I don't then, have bumper hey. stickers on my car. <laughs> <laughs> no, so practice road rage. Um, I do want to just say one thing to our to our listeners: if anybody out there is interested in starting a real like uh, a deep AA meme page, um, I uh, a long time ago uh, locked down the me the the Instagram handle the misquoting of Herb. <laughs> So is that anybody, the one that you, you were talking about earlier was like the perfect name? Yeah, misquoting of Herb. <laughs> so if because you have to, to be differ with that being the perfect name, but go it's ahead. a deep cut though. It's a deep cut. You know, you got to really. So you're only going to get the real. I had even hunted around buffs. for it. I was like looking for things that follow things, and I was like, I can't find mm-hmm. any inactive ones. I don't know if I've actually even posted to it, but it's there. If anybody wants it, I will happily give it up. <laughs> That sounds like a really really weird, uh, really slow indie movie. (laughs) It sure does. (laughs) All right. You're the first first one in a while who's probably actually listened to the podcast. (laughs) I was ready. Where's that sound effect, though? (laughs) It goes in after. Damn it. Unfortunately, you won't won't be able to hear it. Um, All right. 12 questions with our guest dreamboat annie that's me uh, great heart album if you guys don't know that one um i'll jam today yeah it's good it's one of those rare debut albums where you're like how is your debut album this good and it's a concept album what the hell is okay um so, so uh me first you first go ahead okay question one Describe your experience with Zoom in 12 words or less. All right, I'm going to hold my fingers up. Yes, do it. Wow, weird that you have 12 fingers. (laughs) I'm lucky. I got lucky. I don't know. It's weird. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Mm, This is a tough one. Like a sentence or just words? You've you've already used like 70 words, so. (laughs) I really have. Powerful. Connection with 
A A robots <laughs> that are humans. I always pretend people on Zoom meetings are my robot friends. Like oh yeah, well. West world for drunks. <laughs> I pretend, yeah. Have you had the experience yet of being in Zoom meetings on, like exclusively with people and then meeting them in real life? No, I don't want to. I feel like they're going to be shorter in person. I'm good. Oh, they will be. Let's just, it's de- yeah, that let's is just definitely like true. Exactly. I, was, I was sponsoring someone through Zoom for the better part of a year and then who just happened to live where I live. And then we eventually met up. Um, and he was like, oh, you're shorter than I thought you'd be. And I was like, because I'm, I'm not short, but I was like, oh, how tall did you think? I was? He was like, I thought you were like, he casually, seriously was like, I thought you were like 6'8". Six, 6'8"? Eight. Six, eight? What? 6'8"? <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I thought you were a basketball player. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I was just like, um, 6'8"? He's like, are you not LeBron James? <laughs> Six oh, foot I'm all the time. Do you know how tall all that is? <laughs> uh, yeah, I just like my high expectations of robot friends on Zoom, so I'm good. Right. I don't need to see them in human form, you know? Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Robot okay. friends. All right. Uh, my first question is, um, how long did it take you to do the steps? Twelve and a half years. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> I kind of was hoping you were going to answer like that. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's an honest program. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I have one that actually, this will be interesting for your specific uh, experience. Underrated or overrated? The AA grapevine. Ugh. Underrated. Okay. Hmm. I was a journalism major, so I can appreciate that shit. There you go. Right. And those mm-hmm. jokes are of the highest but quality. I should change it Love to AA joke. grapevine jokes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, underrated wait, 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 wait. New question. Underrated or overrated? The poor jackass that the AA group makes tell the AA grapevine yes. joke at the beginning yes. of the meeting. Poor guy. <laughs> No, I'm like... Way to be humble. No, the question is, have you ever been to a meeting where they had a guy whose job it was to read the AA Grapevine joke that actually had a message of depth and weight? <laughs> That's, no. I mean, yeah. You wow. know that meeting immediately Oof. is going to be like, all right, we're going to throw it out for a topic. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah, jam for the eighth week in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was that? Tra- traffic. Yes, let's talk about traffic again. I love jam. that. Road rage. Perfect. Oh, the so best part of those meetings is that um, there's always somebody who w- wants to offer a topic, but doesn't just offer a topic. They offer a seven-minute like rambling thing where then at the end yes. they're like, so I guess relationships... <laughs> And then five shares deep, they share. Yes, yeah. that's... that didn't count. That didn't count. That no. wasn't their share. No, that was just uh-huh. a topic. So, no, no, so that was just a topic. My uh, my wife is not in Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> she's normal and uh, normal as far as that goes. And um, she's been to I think three AA meetings in her entire life. And uh, but she's heard me talk a lot of shit. And so. It just so happened that the first time we ever went to a meeting together, it was a topic meeting where they like actually whiteboarded the topic up on a whiteboard so everybody would have reference to it. And legitimately, the first thing that the person said was road rage. It's real. <laughs> and I think the guy, I think the guy wrote as the topic um, "road rage" and then in parentheses uh, "acceptance." Oh yeah, road rage, <laughs> future tripping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> so my second question is, uh, when did you feel the nearness of your creator? Mm. Day two. <laughs> Just early. I had, I had early experience, but that didn't mean I changed my behavior. You know, like right. that's the weird, like that's, the point of everything I've said today is that just because I felt God didn't mean I acted right. I was still shoplifting mm-hmm. early in recovery, you know? Right. So it's like, it's not about whether you feel God or not, <laughs> you know, like wh- what are you going to do about it? So, right. right. Mm-hmm. All right. Make a hard left turn into a place we like to call food corner. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Love that corner. Why do people who live in Austin claim that Austin has better breakfast tacos than San Antonio? Mm. You are speaking for the entire city of Austin here, so, so make sure you choose so your words niche. carefully. And this really sucks. This is when I'm going to slide in that I'm vegan. So, Dude, when I was eating a breakfast taco in. this morning, writing this question down, I was like, there's no way she's not going to say I'm vegan. <laughs> There, I said it. It's done. I didn't know that you were vegan. I was just like, I was like, that's such a great question. There's no way I'm not going to ask it to someone who can't answer it. I feel like, okay, here's my answer. This is going to be my logistic answer. I feel anywhere you are in Austin, you can drive two miles and find a breakfast taco. So it's more about convenience, less about Mm. flavor. No offense, no shade to any breakfast taco makers in Austin. I'm so sorry. I love you all. Okay. Don't kick me out. Don't kick me out. I, um... Like I like I I lived in Austin for quite a while. Um, the there's just there's a specific type of person who was like born in Austin and has only lived in Austin or maybe lived somewhere else for like a year or two, who literally thinks that like we'll say that Austin is the center of like the known habitable universe, you know, and 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 then there's this big thing where they insist that Austin has better breakfast tacos than San Antonio, which to me, as someone who knows better, is is always insane because it's like it's like saying San Antonio has better breakfast tacos than Laredo or McAllen. Like it's just you're just you're just being ignorant. That's just stupid. Come on. Breakfast tacos this is an important issue, okay? <laughs> yeah, I see that. I see you're passionate, which I love. He's very passionate about breakfast tacos. But like I said, I right tell. when I came up with the question, I was like, that's such a great question. And then immediately my response was like, you know what? I bet you anything she's vegan and she's going to be like, I, I don't know, dude. Fuck off with I don't tacos. Know. It's fine. There's <laughs> vegan ones. They exist. <laughs> yeah. Well, Two maybe that's why people Either in Austin direction. like to say that their tacos are better there because you can probably get vegan ones. Yeah, you can. You just don't say it. We don't talk about it. I can't believe I had to fucking say it on a podcast. I was really hoping I could go an hour without telling the world I was vegan. Oh well. <laughs> now here we are. So yeah, you just you've really like can... uh, tortilla with beans and then like without lard you and know? then like Daya <laughs> melted onto it or something. Daya is weak. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. It is. I agree. Okay, new nutritional yeast. Just nutritional yeast. <laughs> That's it. There you go. In a taco shell. That's and, all I eat, and it's really. Whole uncooked beans. <sighs> yep. Yeah. So they're crunchy. <laughs> it's the worst food corner ever. <laughs> it is. I'm so, now unhungry. I'm now unhungry. Yeah, weird. I was actually ruin- never corner, before. The, the way to ruin the hard left turn into food corner is then to immediately take a hard right into vegan food corner. Right. <laughs> yep. I know. <laughs> Sorry, you lost some listeners. 
I'm, I'm actually uh, quite an accomplished vegan cook. I used to do vegan Thanksgiving out in San Francisco, so no awesome. sh no shade to vegans. Thank you. We appreciate it. <laughs> I know you speak for all vegans as well. I do. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. So follow up question to that question. So what is your home address? <laughs> uh huh. I'll do the I'll do the math. It's fine. Take a hard right vegan food That's corner. It. Uh-huh. What was it? Exactly. I'm two miles from a vegan uh, a vegan uh, food truck. <laughs> exactly. You find me. Perfect. Um, okay. Uh, no, my, my real question is, um, how many meetings do you attend a week? And you can provide both in-person and Zoom. So I attend three human meetings a week and two robot meetings a week. Okay. Human and robot. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Yep. Keep it balanced, you know? Um, this one could be fun. Uh, considering, you know, the, the Stevie Nicks of it all, um, do you remember your first meeting? If so, what was it like? So we talked about it earlier where, um, I do remember it. I was either 18 or 19 court ordered baby, mm. obviously. Um, and it was in a library room in my hometown in Brighton, Michigan. And I remember baby boomers and they were so fucking nice to me. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not coming back, you know? And then I learned how to get my court paper signed by all my friends. Mm. So, right. Yeah. That's a workaround that I've kindness. always wondered why people don't just do that. So easy. Right. But I was also asked because of that, I was on probation for like six years. So <laughs> <laughs> was it a workaround? <laughs> <laughs> like you just happen to know. have the, the probation officer who's like, uh, it looks like the, uh, Easy does it one day at a time for life meeting has been closed down these six weeks that you're, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I actually had to write an essay, how alcohol has ruined my life Wow. when I was 17 wow. and I had my mom write it for me. <laughs> I'm like, mom, I think you have better experience of how alcohol has ruined my life because you've been a part of it all. So Thanks. The it was quick. It was quick. The unmanageability was real quick. Yeah. The shame-inducing essays keep popping up on uh, our podcast. To read it in front of my peers, too. Ugh, <laughs> it was awful. It didn't stop was in, uh, the other people at the treatment center? Is that what that was? Uh, no, I had to do. I had to go to court, and it was oh. like a school thing. So, like, the jurors oh. were high school students, and they were fucking ruthless. Oh, my oh, God. Okay. <laughs> this like, sounds I like want baby some boomers. Lord of the Flies <laughs> shit. <laughs> They weren't messing around. Wow. They want to throw the book at me. Children with a little power. You can't underestimate exactly. the insanity of that. Exactly. Uh, okay. This is an oldie but a goodie. We're going to go with another 12 words or less. Ooh. Okay. 12 fingers up. I only did it because it was so impressive, but 12 fingers. So, um, okay. In 12 words or less... Tell me how you feel about the chapter Two Wives. Former anti-chapter to wives feminist, but reborn, and I accept it. Oh, okay. Is that whole finger? Yeah, How's that? I think. Yeah. Nice. I wanted to push it away because it said yeah. to wives, and then you're like, oh, wait, no, you can. You're having a different experience. I can get experience shit out of here. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Would you rather do a fuck, Mary kill or a would you rather? Fuck, I guess technically you're, you're doing both here. Let's go. Fuck, Mary kill. Okay. 
<clears throat> All right. See how this goes. This has been a fun one. I'm scared. Fuck, Mary, kill. <laughs> Ecstasy? Oof. Cocaine? Weed. <laughs> this is the time when I wish this was a, a video podcast. I know. I know. <laughs> so much. Fuck ecstasy. Right. Marry cocaine. Kill weed. Oh. Wow. Let me know if you need me to elaborate. Weed is four for four dead. <laughs> I hate it. Why did I do it for four years every day in high school? I know. I don't get it. I hated it. Such a... Immediately, I'm like, I wish I didn't do this. And then I did it again. And then I did it again. again and people and say again, it's not addictive. I'm like, it's literally against my will. What the fuck? I was, I was literally just talking like literally this morning now this is going to sound weird but i was trying to keep my kid awake on a drive this morning so yeah. I, I called my mom on facetime and then like handed him the phone and he's Perfect. like you know like throwing it around and stuff he's one um but she was coming through my speakers and stuff so we were talking and then she was talking about <laughs> someone having issues with weed or whatever and i was and i was I was basically like, I can flatly tell you in recovery that I've spoken personally with dozens of people, big S on dozens, right? Who repeatedly to a person have said, weed is the strongest drug. <laughs> like weed is the most fucked up drug. People mm -hmm. who are intravenous, cocaine, heroin, meth users, who are just like, why did I keep doing weed? We would be a spiraling nightmare anytime I picked it up. Like, what the fuck? I did it before school, and then I'm like, why did I do this? And I'm high in first hour, and it's like current events, and I have to read a newspaper out loud. I'm like, I don't know. Right. Like, why did I do that every fucking morning in high right. school? And it's like, I hate it. And right. I say it like that. It's crazy. Yeah. So I was telling her, I was like, I think that it's because it's like more so like you know it's not socially acceptable to be like <clears throat> yeah i just like railed a handful of oxy <laughs> it's like you know nobody, exactly you know but it's like oh man some weed little weed dude because like when you try to stop smoking weed a bunch of grown-ups you're a grown-up and they're grown-ups a bunch of grown-ups will be like Nah, man, you gotta smoke weed. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, do you totally. get fucking 50 bucks for every, from the, like, pot council of America every time you, <laughs> you know, bring me back to the fold or whatever, you know? No shit. And the thing is, is it's not just that, like, it's not just that I smoked weed every day for more than half my life. I was, like, the weed guy. Yes. You know, like, I knew so much about it. Right. You know, like, I knew all the different yeah. ways. I, like, why? I But then, like, I would be at home. I'd be like, God, I hate this I so much. I hate this so much. Right. I know. I wanted to be Rastafarian when I was in high school. I was just like, swear. <laughs> I had one dreadlock. I love it. <laughs> and then I'm stoned, and I'm like, I fucking hate this. Hate this. Everything's yeah. panicked. I'm right. eating dinner with my parents, trying to be normal, you know? And right. Like, that, what am I doing? That was the worst. It was like... Uh, like trying word. to trying to like like show up at fucking Binnigan's for my sister's graduation party and my grandparents are there so and everything's thirsty. like stroboscopic vision and so I'm just thirsty. Like, I'm just like, 
Can I get a refill on this water? <laughs> Can I please have more water? Please hurry. Like, uh, John, you didn't order water. You just walked in the door. Like, what the, you haven't had it's any just water. That. Like, and then, then, and when then you, you do the thing where like you 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 drink that first drink of water when you're in that state, and then it's like I would get even more freaked out because it was like I could feel the <laughs> molecules of water going into like every blood vessel and like coating my stomach, and I'd be like, <gasps> what's happening? Exposed, totally. <laughs> like the I'm, my like, experience, I'm the invisible God. man. <laughs> you can, like see, yeah, they can organs. see everything, <laughs> right? <laughs> The only way, the only way I could ever get off of it was, um, is, and this is my experience with all of these types of situations. It's like the, I would, I would start mixing in like oxys or yeah. something else. And then Naturally. one day I would spend a bunch of money on those types of drugs. And then I would think, Oh, I should also smoke weed with it. And then I, and then I would waste all the money on the original drugs because the weed just like comes in and just like knocks out the other drug and is like, no, I'm here now, bitch. Like (laughs) (laughs) you're going on my trip. And, uh, and, and I would wake up and I'd be like, Oh no, I I just, I'm just going to skip the weed now. You know? Exactly. And I'm like, how is weed more powerful than heroin? I don't know, but it is. I don't know, but it takes it. right over. It. it slid right out. It's like, okay, this sucks. Yeah. I like this was also this was also my plan so many times. Like I would um I would be like, Okay, I'm gonna be done with heroin. And so I would go out and buy a bunch of weed and think, yeah. I'll just I'll just stay high through the withdrawals. Oh my god. <laughs> Real pleasant. <laughs> It was the it worst sense at the time. Yeah. I'd like, I'd be high for like six hours. I'd smoke enough to get high for like six hours. And then I'd wake up the next day. I couldn't even bring myself to do it. Right. It's just, it was awful. Awful. <sighs> Anyways, trip down memory lane there. Okay. That's one of the jokes that gets me kicked out of rehab a lot, though, is that if you want to get off Suboxone, just try meth. Um, it doesn't go over well. It's weird. Yeah. Um, listen, I'm bringing real solutions to these people. You know, helping, they're looking for I'm answers to you. their problems. Right. So, um, okay. Practical. My next question uh, is uh, a simple one. But I'd like to hear your answer from now and from Tuggy from like six months ago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Bill or Bob? Mm. It's always been Bill. It's always been Bill. Yeah. I could change him. You know what I mean? I, I feel like the late. I feel like the ladies. No, I do feel like the ladies are like, no, that's my guy. I could get 100%. him. Hundred percent. Yep. They're like Lois was weak, and I could take care of it. <laughs> and he, yeah. exactly. And you know what? I thought he's a Sagittarius, just like me. So that's it. Okay. Yeah. Could be it. I went there too. I took. I brought in Zodiac. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we would be compatible. I could help. Um. Okay. So. This, I literally have no idea how you answer this. This will be interesting. Okay. <clears throat> would you rather take a two-year commitment as DCM for your home group? Well, yeah, for your district. Or a two-year commitment as the person who scrubs the toilets at the place where your home group meets. Scrub the toilet. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I mean... When I, when I was a sponsor to women, I helped them clean their bathroom. So I'm kind of a pro. Because I, I didn't know how the program worked. I was like, yeah, sure. You have a junkie living in your house? I'll help you clean it. So... 
That's like my area of expertise, so I'm gonna go with that. We should do like a whole separate episode just about like misadventures right. and like weird sponsorship. Please. <laughs> Confused. My wife had to like. Right. My wife had Honestly. to put her foot down. She's like, until they've completed step twelve, they're not allowed at the house. <laughs> right. One hundred percent. Sure. Oops. I like how you asked five minutes ago whether she wanted a fuck, Mary kill or a would you rather, and then you just asked You'll them hear in the tape, you're yeah. going to do both. <laughs> Pick one. Okay. When you both. hear it back, you'll hear, you'll hear me say, I guess you're doing both. <laughs> oh, I missed that. Okay. <laughs> Love it. But what I meant at the time was that I was asking her, would you rather do this or that? And then one of them was, would you rather? And I was like, I guess you're already doing okay. it anyway. So, right. yeah, no, Perfect. you caught me. You busted me. No, sorry. I was just... Um, okay. Uh, what is your favorite AA slogan and defend it? The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Hmm. And it's my favorite because it's pretty much everything we covered. And, you know, I think of like... Um, I mean, then I go on tangents of like faith without works is dead and all of those quotes and everything, because it's like how much the opposite is used and is such a detriment, like progress, not perfection. So Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you say you can still be a piece of shit with 35 years, (laughs) that guy in the back room, you know? Um, so it's like specifically you I'm pointing at. (laughs) You know, you know, that that guy, we all know that guy with his arms crossed in the back. Um, I'm just a hopeless drunk. Really? Yeah, yeah 47 years, bro. Um, <laughs> so that, and then for me, it's a great reminder. Like, what a, what an easy, like, powerful reminder of, even for myself, because I can get lost in my new agey shit, because those are, this is going to sound also new agey, um, but, like, my spirituality is like branches of a tree, and AA is, like, the root and the trunk of the tree, you know? Yeah. But I can get lost in my branches. <laughs> so, for me, like, theory, and, like, because I, I love studying spirituality and other religions, like, I've, I've right. always loved that, hence why I loved acid so much growing up. Um, mm-hmm. I was always seeking a spiritual experience, you know? And so... It, for me, the reminder is we have to live it. And for me, living it means helping another alcoholic. Mm-hmm. That for me in, in this chapter in my life and hopefully forever is helping another alcoholic. That's living it. Theory is Brene Brown being my sponsor, you know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. Awesome. All right. Brene, I love you. Uh, <laughs> bonus question. Uh, how would you define 13 stepping? It's not a dating app. Um, I don't recommend it. I've done it. <laughs> um, the odds are good, but the goods are broad. That's it. Two dead batteries or whatever the fuck they say. Um, <laughs> I defined it. I was hoping you'd ask me this because I'm just going to be completely honest. It was like my way of being from entire power. And that mm. felt really cool for a while, mm. you know, until you fall off the pedestal and, and they realize you're human. And then you realize you're human too. So. At least they're still alive today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Their toilet's probably less clean now, but they're alive. <laughs> Damn it. Because I left the state of California. Sorry about that. <laughs> awesome. I think I think it's an honest thing that people don't... I mean, it's like, it can be joking, but really it's like there's a lot of 13 step. It's all ego, you know? Like, and sure. that was my experience where it was just like, oh my God, I can save you. And like truly fucking believing that because my ego is giant if I don't check it. And so it's like, and even if you 
meant well. Like mm-hmm. intentions mean shit when you're not doing the right work, you know? Right. Cause then it's, you don't know. Yeah. Right. I realized I'm the toxic one. Okay. The last time I did my fourth step. <laughs> All right. So now I know. <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. Uh, Vegan tacos aside, this was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for meeting up with us and doing this. Thank you. This was amazing. A pleasure. It'll drop soon. Perfect. And, and uh, I want to let you guys know I am six eight. So six foot eight. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I, I so. had you pegged. Yeah. It's like a Dirk Nowitzki. Yeah. No, definitely. See, I went there. the other way. I was like, oh, she's probably like five two. <laughs> I am five two. Are you really? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Exactly. Good job. Nice guess. All right. I've gotten very good at yep. this Zoom thing. Tug I have met a lot of small people. Small but powerful. Right. That's it. That's why yes. I loved it. Shout out to Dr. Bob and his friend Tugboat Annie, you know? Mm-hmm. Bootlegger Tugboat Annie. Right. <laughs> you were at the theater with a flask taped to your leg or something, it sounds like. I, I, say I guess that. I get it. <laughs> I get it. I get it. Fine. All right, cool. Well, y'all have an awesome day. Thank you again so much for doing this with us. It's great. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Say bye, Fred. (laughs) Bye, Fred. Thanks for listening.